Welcome back, Bankless Nation, to DevCon 6, the DevCon 6 experience. In this interview, I'm talking with Dankrat Feist of Dank Sharding fame, of course. Dankrat is the guy that is leading Dank Sharding for us all. EIP 4844, which is proto Dank Sharding, and then later Dank Sharding itself. I asked Dankrat about the Layer 2 wars and how 4844 will impact all of these things and what Ethereum will look like under a 4844 paradigm and really just why we should be excited about 4844. I also asked Dankrod about his experience in Bogota, what it's like to be at all of these DevCons and how Bogota is different and what Dankrad gets up to after DevCon is over and the sun goes down. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dankrad Feist from the EF, Mr. Dankshardding himself, right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. TrueFi is leading DeFi into the future of on-chain, uncollateralized loans, opening up DeFi to the $8 trillion global credit market. Whether you want higher yields on your lending or you're a fund manager who just wants access to global liquidity and the cost savings of DeFi, TrueFi is here for you. But if you're going to use TrueFi, use it through the Brave browser, the user-first browser for the Web3 age. The Brave browser keeps your digital footprint small, keeping you in the driver's seat while also being a powerful battle station for Web3, letting you access your crypto through its native wallet, view your NFTs, and keep up to date with your Web3 communities. Another thing you can use through Brave is, of course, Arbitrum. And you all, of course, have heard about Arbitrum, but the Arbitrum ecosystem is really heating up. With a recent launch of Arbitrum Nova, Arbitrum has entered the world of multi-chain layer twos. And with a recent acquisition of Prismatic Labs, Arbitrum firepower is bigger than ever. Arbitrum Nitro shipped last month and has made Arbitrum faster and cheaper than ever before. So make sure that you can experience what Arbitrum has to offer before it's too late. But maybe you're a developer who hates the constraints of the EVM. So check out the Fuel VM from the Fuel Network, which has opened up the world of parallel transaction execution, breaking Fuel Network free from EVM baggage. With Fuel, you can leverage the Rust tooling ecosystem to build stronger apps, all while keeping Ethereum level security. Also pushing the frontier of Web3 development is the Sequence Wallet from Horizon. Sequence is the all-in-one developer platform you need to build Web3 games and applications. For users, Sequence is a smart wallet and perhaps the most intuitive wallet in all of Web3. But for developers, it's a plug and play platform for all Web3 apps and games. Check out Sequence, which is already powering some of the best Web3 games out there. And lastly, Deso is a decentralized social platform built from the ground up to disrupt the social media industry. Disrupting social media takes a lot of data and Deso's infinite state applications can finally store and index large amounts of content and data fully on-chain. With multiple crypto-native monetization mechanisms for both developers and creators, Deso wants to usher in a new relationship with our social applications. Check them out at Deso.com. And now, onto the show. Bankless Nation, I'm here with Dankrad Feist here at Bogota, DevCon 6. Dankrad, have you been to every, every DevCon? No. No? Which, okay, <laughs> how many DevCons have you been to? Uh, my first DevCon was Prague, so Prague. 2018. Yeah. Okay, 2018, so that's yeah. three DevCons, so this is your third yes. DevCon. How does this one compare to all the other ones? Um, I, I think this one's really, really great, yeah. Um, yeah, great shout out to the organizers. I think like it's, I think the best DevCon so far in mm -hmm. terms of organization and how everything like just works smoothly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is my, my first DevCon, but I've heard of the chaos of previous <laughs> DevCons and it also seems to kind of correlate with the general chaos of the Ethereum ecosystem. <laughs> now we're a little bit more like we're post-merge, like we've shipped some stuff, we, we got our coordination down uh, and that has also extended itself into the DevCon layer, if you will. Uh, what, what are you enjoying the most about Bogota and about DevCon? What's really like uh, gotten your juices flowing here? Um, I think like, yeah, it's it's the mood of like Ethereum now. Mm -hmm. Like, I think um, there was a long time where it felt like progress was really slow mm -hmm. and was tough, and like research never actually made it into the protocol. Sure. 
And um, I think we are at an inflection point where that is actually mm -hmm. changing with the merge. Mm -hmm. And I think like you can feel it in the community that this like people see this optimism mm -hmm. and are very happy that like over the next few years we'll actually scale and we'll mm -hmm. actually be able to do all the things we wanted to do. Certainly, yeah. And you know, as the, all the listeners will know, we, f we all feel like we're in a bear market, but you don't really feel that energy here. And I, I want to ask you about like developer morale now that we are post-merge. Like it's a, yeah. probably the biggest win in the crypto space yeah. and definitely in the Ethereum space that we've yeah. ever had. So how, how is developer morale now? Mm. So I think, I mean, I, I always think like, I don't know, I can't speak for everyone, but mm -hmm. I think like many developers, um, feel that they're actually more productive in a bear market and it's actually a better time to ship things because you don't, you're distracted by fewer mm -hmm. things. There are not that many people who maybe like are only in it for the money and calling you all the time and, mm -hmm. all, and all that. So um, I think um, people are still very positive and optimistic. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was a stressful time for many of them. Sure. So like, I think many of them will probably at some point when I take uh, some time off as well, but, mm -hmm. uh, but I think like the mood is optimistic. Certainly well-deserved, but also Ethereum developers never seem to stop developing. And <laughs> yeah. uh, now that we have like this confidence of the merge behind us, uh, I've always thought that like the merge was just the biggest training ground for developer coordination and developer shipping. Uh, and now not only have we practiced coordination, we've delivered it and had that like a great successful merge. And now we're on the other side of it. Do you think development is actually going to like speed up once everyone has had their break and comes back to the table? Um, I mean, personally, I do hope so, because um, in a way, like, I think like what we are planning to do over mm -hmm. the next few years is going to be uh, quite difficult. Like mm -hmm. it will require a lot of work and a lot of coordination. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, like uh, we definitely need to like improve our game as well on like making those changes happen. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, um, yeah, I, I think, I think it's going to, I think it's going to work. Like I can see like lots of uh, momentum in the Ethereum mm -hmm. community. What are the technical challenges that you see looming overhead in the horizon? Um, uh, so, I mean, I think like, yeah, I mean, basically with, uh, with uh, sharding, data sharding, like mm -hmm. we are attempting something that has never been done. And mm -hmm. it's also especially like, so it's like a complete change in terms of how blockchain work. And clearly like some other projects are attempting this as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think all of them are somewhat less ambitious in terms of decentralization than mm -hmm. we are. Um, and so that makes it just a very hard project mm -hmm. to deliver these things. And like doing all these on a working project that has like large scale use mm -hmm. makes this all the more difficult. Yeah, but isn't Ethereum always doing things that have never been done before? Um, yes, I mean, I guess the merge was one of these yeah. things, but mm -hmm. yes, yeah, yeah, for sure it is. But, mm -hmm. um, but I think, yeah, I mean, I think like these changes over the next few years are, I think like Vitalik had this nice S curve right. and I think, yes, it is right. We had this little inflection at the bottom and mm -hmm. now we have to like deliver the rest of it. And so uh, the, the year of 2021 was like the year of ultrasound money. It was EIP 1559. It was the merge uh, and like, you know, testing this merge. But then now that's all behind us. And now everyone is focused on EIP 4844 or proto dank sharding, of which is your, your name, right? Uh, dank sharding, dank rad, uh, and also proto lambda. Do you feel like uh, my, my vision is like the Rocky Balboa is running up the stairs and like now it's your moment. Is that how you feel? It's like, oh, this is dank rad's moment. I mean, it's certainly the things that I have been looking forward to mm -hmm. the most in terms of what I actually mm -hmm. wanted to do when I, when I joined uh, uh, Ethereum Research a few mm -hmm. years ago. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to this, 
changes making it to the protocol. Okay, so what, what about uh, dank sharding or dank, uh, proto-dank sharding? Why, why is that what your brain focuses on? Like, why is that the thing that interests you? Like, some people, right. some people are interested mm -hmm. in the IP 1559. Justin yeah. Drake is mm -hmm. interested in ultrasound mm -hmm. money. Mm -hmm. You're interested yeah. in dank sharding. Why, why? I mean, all of these are important things, but mm -hmm. clearly, um, I think, um, I mean, Ethereum right now maybe can serve in its current form like maybe mm -hmm. a million people or something mm -hmm. and we want to bring that to a billion so like i feel like every like day we're spending mm -hmm. at the current form is like a day that's lost to all the other people who mm -hmm. could use ethereum so mm -hmm. i think like in that respect i feel it's a very urgent change sure yeah. okay and i'm sure you've you've explained what proto dank sharding and dank sharding is but have you ever done it in like can you explain dank sharding in like one sentence or less <laughs> how, how how quickly can you explain dank sharding um it's basically, it, it's the roll-up booster. You've heard about roll-ups. They make Ethereum much cheaper and more, uh, and more efficient. Mm -hmm. And basically, it's like, a, it's like putting a, an afterburner mm -hmm. uh, under them and making them work yeah, even much more cheaply and mm -hmm. uh, allowing them to serve a lot more users. And why? What is the big technical lift here? Uh, mm -hmm. Like when you look under the hood of the Ethereum protocol, what's the technical lift mm -hmm. that we've never done before? Mm -hmm. So... Um, in terms of like the current change for 844, mm -hmm. there is no fundamental change how mm -hmm. technically the blockchain works. There are some new things that we introduced that were prepared for full sharding, uh, but those are not strictly technically mm -hmm. necessary for what we're doing there. Um, what the big change with sharding will be that we're building a blockchain that uh, maintains the full security as we are used to, anti-standardization uh, from Ethereum, uh, but does it uh, by providing a data availability layer that scales beyond what the individual node can process. So, so far, all blockchains are built in mind with like, okay, like we can't, can never do more than your individual node that you run at home mm -hmm. can process. And we are going beyond that. We are building a blockchain that is as secure and decentralized, but can be, go beyond that scale. Okay, beautiful. Uh, and of course, uh, having accessibility is a core uh, pillar of Ethereum. And this is how we, yep. uh, like you said, uh, allow Ethereum to be accessed by, by everyone in the world. Is there some, uh, now that we're post-merge, uh, there was, I'm assuming, a lot of previous developer talent that was focused on the merge that is now no longer yeah. focused on the merge. And so now, now, like, is that now it's being diffused across, you know, all the other EIPs. Yeah. Is it, like, how much of EIP 4844 is now the focus versus mm -hmm. people focusing on other things like account right. abstraction or other EIPs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so these are discussions that are going on right now. And mm -hmm. clearly, like, I'm a big proponent of, like, making 4844 happen, even mm -hmm. in the next hard fork. Um, there are definitely some other things that will compete with that, like withdrawals need to mm -hmm. happen. Uh, lots of EIPs want to get in, of course. Mm -hmm. um, I would say like getting 4844 done is very, very urgent. I, I hear that from many like uh, roll-up teams and other mm -hmm. teams that like they're literally making the case that uh, they have business cases they want to deploy and they cannot happen if mm -hmm. they don't have 4844. Sure. So, uh, so I, I'm making the case that this should be a very high priority, mm -hmm. but the discussions on that are not finished. Certainly. Yeah. And uh, the way I kind of think of 4844 or dank sharding, you call it a, a, an afterburners for yeah. roll-ups. Uh, I think that's a great way to do it, to, to uh, articulate it. It's also just like unlocking a ton of new use cases on rollups yes. that we wouldn't be able to have otherwise, right. mainly just because we're lowering the fees down to exactly. almost the theoretical minimum. And it's also like, it's, it's like this question, like often like people have these use cases in mind, mm -hmm. but they just know that at the current scale, they can, they can just never mm -hmm. work. So they don't even try to deploy them. So sure. I think these can now happen. Okay. So 
we, we, ship, we ship dank sharding, mm -hmm. layer twos become super fast, super mm -hmm. cheap, yeah. super available. Uh, what are some of these use cases that your people are talking to you about or other use cases that you're excited about that would be unlocked after 4844? I, I mean, I think that's like, I mean, it's a permissionless system. So mm -hmm. like, it, it, I, think, I think we probably can't even imagine mm -hmm. what people are going to build on it. Like, I mean, I think five years ago, we wouldn't have known mm -hmm. what people will build on it now. now. But um, I think... Um, they're great many. I mean, clearly, like, I'm always like, okay, like, think about the simple things as well. Like, I mean, think about payments. Like, mm -hmm. it is an important use case, and we can't probably support it now. Uh, but I think, like, many other cool things, like maybe more social media mm -hmm. apps, that sort of stuff mm -hmm. uh, can happen. I, I can't, mm -hmm. I don't have a great imagination for everything sure. that could happen. Sure, and it's a, of course it's a hard question yeah. when you just don't know, yeah. we've never, the blockchain world has never seen exactly. this availability before. We exactly. haven't had these opportunities yeah. because we haven't had secure block space that is super cheap. Yeah. Um, my take on this is that the, you know, the Ethereum layer one yeah. is heavy, heavy finance. You know, mm -hmm. NFTs That's that are super highly absolutely. valued, a lot of DeFi stuff. Yeah. And Vitalik, of course, is obsessed with non-financial use cases mm -hmm. of a blockchain. Yeah. And I think that we don't really get non-financial use cases mm -hmm. of a blockchain until we get transactions that are basically free. Right. Because the only transactions that we can really afford are the super expensive ones, and those are going to be finance transactions. Well, and there are some exceptions. There are some mm -hmm. high-value non-finance transactions right. like... Yeah, ENS, mm -hmm. key re revocations, things like that. Sure, but, yeah. right, but it's very limited, But overall, right? it's true. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so if we want to unlock non-financial use cases of the blockchain, we need transactions that aren't financial, as yeah. in, like, basically free. Right. Uh, so I'm sure Vitalik will be super happy to see all these new use cases that come yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. What else across the Ethereum developer space uh, uh, has captured your attention, or are you just, like, tunnel vision mm -hmm. on 4844? <laughs> um, I definitely do have, like, mo most of my attention is mm -hmm. focused on the technical stuff, so, like, I'm... Uh, and, and particularly L1. Mm -hmm. So like my other big project is statelessness, which I also think is like mm -hmm. an important change to the blockchain. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I can see many things happening, but mm -hmm. uh, often I don't yeah, have particularly time mm -hmm. to look very deeply into into the applications. Yeah. So right after this interview, I'm about to interview Bartek right over there. Yeah. Uh, and the layer two wars yeah. are hot. Yes. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you're, you're at the EF, so you kind of just get to watch them all happen yeah, in front yeah, of yeah. you. Do you have any like hot takes about the, uh, the layer two wars or just like any observations? Because <laughs> there's a ton of announcements that happened this week. Right. Um, I, I don't think I have any hot takes. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, no, I, I'm, I'm really glad that it mm -hmm. happens. And like, I, I don't know, I couldn't have imagined like, even one year ago, how how many teams would mm -hmm. be and, and really high quality teams would be trying to do this. Um, clearly, there are still like I mean, there are still many problems, right? Mm -hmm. Like I mean, most of them, almost all of them, aren't proper L2s sure. yet, and that that's really the big challenge that probably you're also going to talk uh, mm -hmm. about with Bartek. Um, but uh, but I mean, I I have no I mean I don't I don't think all of them are going to make it, mm. but I have no. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty certain that within a year we will see like fully decentralized, proper, secure L2s on Ethereum, and that's that's amazing. Yeah. Well, Bart, Dankrad, uh, this certainly seems to be the golden age of Ethereum building, and so thank you for being a shepherd, a pioneer of that age. Yeah. Uh, and I hope you have a, a fantastic time, the rest of your time here at, at ETH mm -hmm. at DevCon Bogota. Yeah. Cheers. Bam. <laughs>